Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Katie G and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, October 25th, 2018, and this is the 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting. Today, we are reading from the big book, Alcoholics Anonymous, and we are in the chapter, Two Employers. We're on page 147, starting with, There is Another Thing. We're reading through five paragraphs, ending with, Give Your Worthwhile Man a Chance. Comments welcome on all paragraphs. Today's readers, the 12 steps, are, is Jackie M, 12 Traditions of OA, Anita L, and Janice PM, Allison L, and Reva P will be our readers of the text. Share IDs for Wednesday, October 24th, 2018 are 7 a.m. Eastern Time, 12.094, 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 12.095. Overeaters Anonymous, oh, excuse me, OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Jackie M. to please read the 12 steps. Jackie? Hi, good morning, everyone. This is Jackie M., Recovered Compulsive Overeater from New York. The 12 Steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except for except when to do so would injure them or others. <clears throat> Excuse me. 10, continue to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. <clears throat> 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, 
we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for letting me do service, and I pass. Thank you, Jackie. I will now ask Anita L. to please read the 12 traditions. Anita? Good morning, everybody. This is Anita L. from outside of Philadelphia. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such, ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you so much. And with that, I pass. Hey, thanks, Anita. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your sharing to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, please let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book. um, Excuse me, we're in the chapter two employers. We are on page 147, starting with the paragraph, there is another thing. We're reading through five paragraphs, ending with give your worthwhile man a chance. Comments welcome on all. I will now ask 
Janice PM to begin our reading. Janice, please go ahead. Yes, thank you, Katie G. Uh, my name is Janice PM, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Hey, I just got back from the Hello. Hello. There's another. Hey. There's, there's another thing you might wish to do. If your organization is a large one, your junior executive might be provided with this book. You might let them know you have no quarrel with the alcoholics of your organization. These juniors are often in a difficult position. Men under them are frequently their friends. So, for one reason or another, they cover these men, hoping matters will take a turn for the better. They often jeopardize their own positions. Janice, would you please press star one and unmute your phone? Janice PM, we have lost you. Okay, am I being heard? Janice PM. I can hear it. They can hear it. Okay, sorry. Yeah, everybody. You can hear it. My fault. Okay. Okay. So Janice PM, I'm going to give you another opportunity to please unmute your phone. Oh, I got it. See, the, that man came on again, and he didn't. Okay. He said you couldn't get. I'm, I'm sorry. Um, I was reading right through the whole paragraph. Do you want me to start okay. over? Or what? Did yeah, you, Janice. Let's just have you start again, and okay. uh, we will all continue to pursue, persevere with this meeting. Go ahead, Janice. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, there's another thing you might wish to do, if your organization is a large one, your junior executive might be provided with this book. You might let them know you have no quarrel with the alcoholics of your organization. These juniors are often in a difficult position. Men under them are frequently their friends. So for one reason or another, they cover these men, hoping matters will take a turn for the better. They often jeopardize their own positions by trying to help serious drinkers who should have been fired long ago or else given an opportunity to get well. After reading this book, a junior executive can go to such a man and say approximately this. Look here, Ed, do you want to stop drinking or not? You put me on the spot every time you get drunk. It isn't fair to me or the firm. I have been learning something about alcoholism. If you are an alcoholic, you are a mighty sick man. You act like one. The firm wants to help you get over it. And if you are interested, <coughs> there is a way out. If you take it, your past will be forgotten. And the fact that you went away for treatment will not be mentioned. But if you cannot, I will not stop drinking. I think you ought to resign. Your junior executive may not agree with the contents of our book. He need not, and often he need not, and often should not show it to his alcoholic prospect. 
but at least he will understand the problem and will no longer be misled by ordinary promises. He will be able to take a position with such a man, which is eminently fair and square. He will have no further reason for covering up the alcoholic employee. It boils right down to this. No man should be fired just because he is an alcoholic. If he wants to stop, he should be afforded a real chance. If he cannot or does not want to stop, he should be discharged. The exceptions are few. We think this method of approach will accomplish several things. It will permit the rehabilitation of men, of good men, and at the same time, you will feel no reluctance to rid the, yourself of those who cannot or will not stop. Alcoholism may be causing your organization considerable damage and it's waste of time. Men in reputation, we hope our suggestions will help you plug up this sometimes serious leak. We think we are sensible when we urge that you stop this waste and give your worthwhile man a chance. Okay, you can still hear me, can you? Janice, you're loud and clear, thank you. Okay, thank you so much. Yeah, okay, so there's more suggestions here. And you know, it, it, you know this is not the chapter on uh, working with others, but it, it's some good suggestions for, you know, um, somebody that's working in a, in, a, in a big organization, and it's a good suggestion for sponsors. And, you know, when this book wants to really emphatically tell us something, they repeat it again. And, of course, it says here now, you know, this junior executive is given the book, so he's got more knowledge of the disease and the understanding of the disease. And, you know, he can maybe talk to these people that are in the, um, you know, organization a little bit clearer and they listen to him more. I you know I had a, a, an assistant, you know, she's like part of the part of them. Um, and so he's, you know, he's going to the, the person like I had to and say, you know, you're giving, you know, she was a teacher and you're giving these children too much sugary treats and it's not good for them at 10 o'clock in the morning. Um, you know, I think that you have to, you know, start making it a little bit more healthy and healthy for us. She knew I was in LA and, you know, she was a good worker and she really wanted to stop and maybe by not bringing it in the school too, that it would help her. So yeah, she was one of us. Now I knew she was one of us. Well, they have to admit it themselves, but she was worthwhile, you know, helping. But, you know, you just come by and say, do you really want to stop? You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I want to stop. I want to stop. But they still become, you know, picking up just like a sponsee. Well, you know, you can say what you want, but you do something different than you can really tell. So that's what's happening here. The junior executive is, 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 is as the book repeats and repeats, it's a waste of time to start chasing a sponsee are an employee, you know, um, you know, you give them the ultimatums because the ball is really in their court. We don't fire sponsees. They fire themselves. They make the choice. 
I'm either going to do this and take it or I'm going to be gone. That's the ultimatum. It's uh, nothing that we did. Uh, they do it themselves. So that's what they're really telling us. This is a good method. You know, if you see that they're worthwhile and they really mean business, do you want to stop? I don't mean just until Thanksgiving. I mean, do you want to stop bringing that stuff in and eating that food or whatever that's triggering you? And uh, they're very good suggestions because uh, some people are worthwhile saving and the other ones that don't want it, there's nothing we can do. So um, we do not chase people in this disease. They either choose it or they don't. And with that, I'm going to pass. Thanks. Thank you. Perfect timing, Janice. <clears throat> Thank you so much. And just a quick reminder to everyone, we are in the chapter Two Employers. We're on page 147, starting with the paragraph, There Is Another Thing. We are reading through five paragraphs ending with, Give your worthwhile man a chance and comments welcome on all. And who would like to share this morning? Kim G. Harlan G. Kim Harlan. We got our two Gs. Who else wants to share? Linda D. Mm -hmm. Connecticut. Linda. This is Larry. Larry. Charles H. Charles. One more? One, two, three, four, five. One more. I know you're out there. Star one to unmute. Okay, if that's the case, then we'll just get started with these this fabulous list. So I have Kim G, Harlan G, Linda D, Larry K, and Charles H. Kim G, good morning. Why don't you go ahead? Thanks, Katie. Good morning, everyone. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. It boils down to this. No man should be fired just because he's an alcoholic. If, if he wants to stop, he should be afforded a real chance. If he cannot or does not want to stop, he should be discharged. The exceptions are few. I love that word if, you know, and this reminds me back of these instructions on page 95 and working with others where it says, if he wants your solution, if he doesn't want your solution, and if he wants to do it another way, such clear-cut directions. You know, so if he wants a solution, he should be afforded any chance. So what is the solution? Number one, I have to put down the food. And number two, I need to work the steps. And I have to tell you, I'm, I'm acquainted with a lot of compulsive overeaters, but not a lot of compulsive overeaters who want that solution. I know a lot of them that want to limit their calories. They want to be mostly abstinent. They want to be more abstinent than not. A lot of people confuse abstinence with recovery. What I find for myself in the many years I was in the way prior to doing the big book and, and my experience now, most people want a diet coach and a life coach. You know, I'm trying to remember, I came in in the 90s and there were only eight tools. And one of those tools was abstinence. And my understanding and my experience was that people were just doing fat serenity and they wanted to elevate the idea you have to put the food down. So they changed the tool of abstinence to a food plan. And then the goal of the tools was to get abstinent. And my personal opinion is that led into the idea that the goal of OA was just to be abstinent. You know, when I think back to page 19, where it says, elimination of our drinking is but a beginning. A much more important demonstration of our principles lies in our prospective homes, occupations, and affairs. So shooting for abstinence as the goal of Overeaters Anonymous is shooting for 30%. You know, as a sponsor, my role is to lead you through the steps. 
And in order to do that, you must be clear of your binge food. What I find is that many people who want to sponsor, they just want someone who they can console them and support them while they are continuing to eat. So I think these if statements here are a great reminder of sponsorship. But I have to tell you, I think it's a great, also great information for those who are still suffering. So ask yourself, do you mean business? Do you really, are you want recovery, which means are you willing to put the food down? Are you willing to work these steps? Or are you really just looking for support while you suffer your disease? That's a hard truth that I had to accept eight years ago. And let me assure you, because I accepted that, I put the food down, I worked the steps, I've had over, not over, almost eight years of contented abstinence. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. And next we'll have Harlan G. followed by Linda D. Good morning, Harlan. Good morning, Katie. Uh, thank you for your service and thank you to Gabriella for getting us off to such a great start and lending us her mom today. I'm Harlan G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Scottsdale, Arizona. Um, bouncing off what Kim just said, which was fantastic. Here are some immutable laws. Here are some immutable postulates. I have a disease that is permanent, progressive, and fatal. I cannot challenge this disease on any level and win. And I have to get out of my head any idea to the contrary. In chapter 3 on page 30, it says, we, had a, we learned that we had to fully concede to our innermost selves that we were alcoholics. This is the first step in recovery. The delusion that we are like other people or presently maybe has to be smashed. What is an alcoholic? What is a compulsive overeater? A compulsive overeater is a person who has a physical allergy to some foods which will set up an actual physical craving for more of the same. And a twist of the mind that is triggered by the buildup of emotions to seek out food as a solution to gain the effect. The effect is the sense of ease and comfort that comes instantly by eating certain foods. Now, if I cannot eat those foods because of the allergy, nor can I keep from eating those foods because of the twist of the mind, I am powerless over food and my life is unmanageable. I must put down those foods. I must put down those foods. And people are going to call me and say, how do I put down the food? I put down the food by putting down the food. My confusion is equal to what my ego does not want me to see. I put it down. If every time I turned on the red lamp, I got an electric shock, I would stop turning on the red lamp. But food is giving me a reward. It says at the end of chapter three, more about alcoholism. It says once more, the alcoholic at certain times has no effective mental defense against the first drink, except in a few rare cases, neither he nor any other human being can provide such a defense. 
his defense must come from a higher power. So what does that tell me? It's just like what Kim said. The cessation of drinking is but a beginning. Step one. I must work the rest of the steps. And I'll close on this. The depth at which I accept the doctor's opinion will mark the urgency with which I will embark on the rest of the 11 steps. And I'm either going to do this or I'm not. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Harlan G. And I will now ask Linda D. and then Larry K. to share. Linda D., please go ahead. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, Katie and Gabriella. It's Linda D. from Connecticut. I'm so very grateful and relieved, tremendously relieved, to be uh, a compulsive overeater who's recovered. I, um, I'm very grateful for the two shares that just happened because combined with the reading, uh, I've been in OA almost 36 years, and I'm coming up on five years of recovered uh, of recovery, actual recovery. I um, I'm so grateful for what I've heard plus what I'm reading because I've it's it's never been apparent to me so apparent to me how to sponsor. It's been a juggernaut for me, I think that's the expression, very, very difficult because of the codependent stuff where I'm rescuing people and convincing people and doing more work than they do. And right in the smack in the middle of my own confusion and the confusion of practically every OI meeting I've ever been at, but not this one, because in visions it's very clear this is very clear that I am not to do other people's work. It's impossible. And I have done, what is the phrase on 147? I have jeopardized my own position by clinging to people and feeling overly responsible. It's a very emotional thing if you don't know what you're doing precisely. And I'm so grateful for all the help so far uh, from all of you and from the reading to know uh, better how to sponsor. Thank you so much. I pass. Thank you, Linda. And we will now have Larry Kay and then followed by Charles H. Larry Kay, please go ahead. Hey, Katie. Thank you for your service. Good morning, everyone. Um, it's Larry Kay. Um, Boy, a lot, lot of good, good shares. See if I can add something. Probably not much. Um, you know, back to that word "if." You know, as Kim and Harlan and everyone shared so far. You know that that's a conditional. Boy, I hate conditional clauses when it came to this disease. <laughs> I really hated conditional a condition an if if statement. You know, I wanted, we hear, we hear time and time again a lot of the same things because they resonate. You know, um, I needed this program desperately, and, and I, I really wanted it so bad. I really wanted it. Um, I just wasn't willing to do it for a long time, you know, and that if conditional clause was a big thorn in my side because um, I wanted to put the food down, mostly, 
mostly. And every so often I wanted to take the edge off and I used some imagery, but it's, you know, it would it could be because of the absurdity of it, right? It would be absurd that, that, that if, if, if a heroin addict or an alcoholic was, you know, just a little bit, just a little bit to take the edge off. Well, that's precisely what I was doing. And how, why was it in my pride? I mean, I wasn't a horrible guy, but why was it in my pride I continued to be unwilling to put the food down entirely. Well, I would tell you as I wasn't ready. There's a, as I've heard it said, there's a timing and a rhythm to all this. And the timing for me, just I was not ready because the food never flew out, you know, out of the, off the shelf and down my gullet. Um, I put it there. I wasn't willing to go through a period of often horrible uncomfortability. And then as I'm putting the food down, you're asking me to, you know, to complete the rest of the process, which, which means that I have to take an inventory and I have to, you know, I'm, I have to be face to face with my resentments and my fears and my sex conduct. And then later on, you're telling me while the food is down, you know, that I have to make restitution for harms done to, to many people who perhaps caused me more harm than I did them really that's what while the food is down that that that's what you're telling me to do and yes that's what we must do if we are to have this spiritual awakening an effective spiritual awakening sufficient to drive out the obsession so maybe if I've been that person wrapping up here Katie maybe if I've been that person I really need to sit down and explore that if am I ready for the if if I'm not, doesn't make me a horrible person, but you better be ready for the if if you want this thing. Otherwise, you're going to keep doing half measures as I did, and you're going to keep getting a big fat zero. Anyways, say that with love. Thanks, Katie. Thanks, Gabby. And Thank that, you, Larry. Thank you so much. All right. We'll now have Charles H. Please go ahead. Good morning, Charles. Good morning. Thank you for your service. Charles H., a recovered compulsive overeater. I want to drill down on listen here, Ed. Um, and I want to take it from a thought and emotion standpoint. You know, what's the difference between thoughts and emotion? You know, I thought that I could go to work after smoking all this crack. And I really thought that. And even when I put the crack down, my emotions is like, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kill this uh, guy that keeps interrupting the vision meeting, and I want to kill my coworker that thinks he's better than me. And that's why I come to meetings, and that's why I carry the message, right, because that's my first thought. I'm, just, I'm a real person. What's up, bro? I'm a real person. Like, I ain't going to talk about I'm goody two-shoes. No, I'm not. That's why I turn into a pumpkin every single day before 1201 the next day. And this is why I come, because now I could have – neutrality with that coworker that I don't like. I can have neutrality with that dude that's trying to, you know what? I'm going to keep it official. If you got time enough to destroy or try to destroy a life-saving message, I got two guys that's going into rehab today. Their life is destroyed, but maybe that's the best thing, right? Like my life was destroyed, right? And, and, and these 12 steps teach me how to deal with difficult people because I'm one of them. And that's why I come to program, because of thoughts and emotion. My first thought is never good. 
And my emotions is never good. That's why I come to program and work these steps like my hair is on fire. And, I, and, and all my relationships, not just the workplace, have improved. And with that, I pass. That's all I got. Thank you, Charles. Okay, just a reminder before we open up again, we are in the chapter, Two Employers. We're on page 147, starting with There Is Another Thing, and we're reading through five paragraphs, ending with Give Your Worthwhile Man a Chance with Comments Welcome on All Paragraphs. And who would like to comment? Lisa J. Lisa, I got you. Karen W. Karen or Sharon W.? Karen. Karen, thank you. Who else would like to comment? Russ M. Russ, gotcha. Melissa C. Melissa, gotcha. Any else? Anybody else want to throw their hat in the ring? Give you another moment to press star one if you'd like to share. Okay, no worries. Uh, if everybody can mute their phone except for Lisa J, we'll go ahead with Lisa. Lisa, good morning. Good morning, Katie G. Thank you so much for your service and wow, powerful shares. So the words that come to my mind listening to this reading are let go or be dragged. And if I can't let go of the food, it's just going to drag me. And it reminds me of a water skier being behind a boat and falling and then holding on to that rope and just being dragged with water going up my nose and down my throat and in my ears and um, misery, complete misery. I can't breathe. I can't get up. There's no way I can get up, but I just will not let go of that rope. And that's what's happening if I'm trying to do these steps in the food because I can't see clearly and I'm drowning and I can't figure out why, but it's just because I haven't put down the food. And on the other end of the spectrum as the sponsor, I can be dragged along with the person who won't put down the food and we're both in pain and I'm not doing anyone any good by being um, trying to be a therapist because I'm not a therapist and I'm not doing anyone any good by trying to work their program because I can't. I can only give them what I have, my experience. And my experience may not help them. They may, they may need to get a different sponsor. They may need to just be in enough pain to put down the food. But it's such a good reminder to me that <clears throat> being on the phone with someone, it doesn't matter what I say to them. If they don't get the program and aren't ready for it, then they're not ready for it and they're not going to do it. And anything I say is not going to bring them to that point. But if they want it bad enough, it doesn't matter what sponsor they have or who they give their fifth step to because if they want it bad enough, if I want it bad enough, I'm going to just stick in there and find out how to get it. So that's my motto for today, let go or be dragged. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Lisa. And we'll now have Karen W. followed by Russ M. Karen, please go ahead. Hi, this is Karen W., compulsive overeater in Austin, Texas. Uh, grateful to be on the meeting today. And um, I, I have a, a sister who is uh, bulimic still after all these years. And when I got into this program, and I've been in this program for a long time, but when I got into vision, um, I started getting, you know, some solid abstinence and um, and things started changing rapidly and that safe and neutral, neutral place came around 
and um, and I and I started kind of pushing it on her, like, you know, uh, I would just say different things, or, you know, there's all these homies, you know, there's a lot of bulimics on there, you know, she doesn't want this, you know, she is not, this is not on her path at this moment, and I finally reached a place of acceptance and quit trying to control, um, with the intention and the heart of being helpful and trying to save her, but uh, that is not my job. That is just not my job. And I, I feel like, uh, you know, I agree with another sh- person that shared is just I can't chase people down and I can't, um, you know, all I can do is work my own program and tend to my own program, tend to myself. And for me, it's self-care and service hand in hand every day, every day. And um, I, um, I, I, the, the, the thoughts and the emotions and, you know, I'm repeating what people have said here, but I think that's, that's so key is the thoughts and emotion. And I, I feel like step 11 is, is key, that prayer and meditation, you know, um, and doing that every day, cultivating a relationship with my higher power who's going to save my ass, you know? Uh, I can't do this on my own. I pick up over and over and over because if I have the buildup of emotions, I will pick up uh, from the discomfort, not being willing to sit in the discomfort. And um, right now I'm going through three relationships. Uh, Two of them have uh, basically ended. And uh, one of them was a a sponsor that is, you know, 82, and she just can't do this anymore. And so uh, I'm so sad about that. But the good news is she's changed my life in the last year uh, in a different program. She has changed my life, and um, I could be grateful for that today. So um, I'm going to walk in gratitude today, and that's all I got. Thank you. Thank you, Karen. <clears throat> and we will now have Russ M. followed by Melissa C. Russ M., please go ahead. Good morning, Katie. Good morning, fellas. Russ M., recovered compulsive overeater outside of Philly. So this whole chapter, another theme for me other than service is is compassion you know it's it's written out to the employer like how to handle the alcoholic how and and it's not just compassion oh oh i'm sorry that you're like no it's more of a look i understand you got issues we'll help you we'll we'll afford you the time or the, the resources whatever to get healthy we're giving you every every way of saving yourself and, you know, it's teaching the employer to recognize these things, which is cool. But if if you don't have truth involved, you know, compassion can lead to death. Compassion, you know, we're talking about sponsees and all. Sure, I want to, I, I, I don't want to see guys drop off. I don't want to get fired. I don't want them to cut me off. But if I don't, if I don't tell them what was told to me that, that, that made me free, that gives me freedom, and they can't do it, Am I supposed to enable them to their death, walk them to their grave? Can't do it. 
You know, I, my whole family, everybody around me did that for me. They're not even in the program. And until I was broken and beaten, battered enough, I didn't recognize it. So, you know, we have to be aware of it. And it's, that's the cool thing about two employers. You know, the whole book itself, right? But this, it's so, there's a beauty to it that, you know, the employer can help save a person. It can be a part of his, his or her um, recovery. And for me, the, the, you know, I'm so blessed. I, I want to say lucky, but I'm, I'm so blessed. You know, I, I worked for my dad for 30 years, and he saw it. He saw it. You know, not just with the food, but also with alcohol and some pills. And, you know, he afforded me, yeah, because he was my father, but he also was truthful with me. And it's a great example. I'm lucky that I have that I didn't realize I had. So my my point is compassion, you know, uh, clothed in truth. Because, you know, if we ain't being truthful, you're going you're gonna to lead somebody to their grave. Smiling, you know. So thank you very much. Love you guys. Have a great day. Thank you, Russ. And we will now have Melissa C. Melissa, please go ahead. Hi. Good morning, Katie. Thank you so much for your service. Um, am I able to be heard? I can hear you, Melissa. Yes. Okay, great. Thank you. Thanks. Melissa C. Recovered. Compulsive overeater in New York. And, you know, I'm thinking about that junior executive who um, is being urged to um, maybe give, like, an ultimatum in a way. You know, not a threat, not, like, screaming and having a tantrum and, um, you know, demanding, but just in a calm, you know, way, setting a boundary, a loving boundary with um, someone who you're, you know, he's a superior to, but also a friend. We're told that, you know, perhaps they're friends. And, that's really hard. It's really hard to, you know, and I'm, and I'm thinking as, you know, I'm not an employer, you know, I, um, I'm i a teacher, you know, and I have, you know, in a loving way, have, have to set up boundaries and, and guidelines. And, and I'm a mom, and I have to do that too, set up boundaries and guidelines and my, some non-negotiables. And, and of course, as, as a guide, as a sponsor. And, it's hard. You know, it sounds so good in the book, you know, but when there's human emotion involved, when there's a friendship involved or there's loving feelings involved, um, it, it can be messy, you know, and I think back to people who sponsored me, um, and, and gosh, I, you know, in some ways I wish they would have read this. I don't know that they did because they loved me so much. Um, they were really quite, um, enabling, you know, and I was, listen, I was real selective. I knew exactly who to choose, so I can't blame them. It was certainly me. Um, and I've been that sponsor, too, loving someone so much that um, not really being all that loving, you know, because the most loving thing to do is, um, yeah, is to set a boundary, to say, look, this is this is how I do it. This is non-negotiable. And, you know, what's happened for me is that, um People, when they start to mean business, they know who to go to, you know, and, and I'm, I'm so blessed because I have a new person that's wanting to work with me right now for that very reason. The person said, I need someone who's, you know, who's strict, and, and I kind of smiled and laughed, and, um, 
okay, you know, like, yeah, that means, like, there's some non-negotiables because my my truth is that I really love all my fellows. I love them so much that I want them to have this, you know, what what all this is, not just abstinence. And um, thank you, but that I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa. <clears throat> okay, before we welcome more readers, I just want to remind everyone where we are. We are on page 147 with the second paragraph, There Is Another Thing. We're reading through five paragraphs ending with Give Your Worthwhile Man a Chance. And comments welcome on all. Who would like to share? Ramona A. Ramona. Sandy S. Sandy. Leah M. Leah. Leslie W. Leslie. All right, let's go with that because I'm not sure exactly how much time we're going to have. So I have Ramona, Sandy, Leah M, and Leslie W. I think I believe it's Ramona M. Ramona, please go ahead. Hi, uh, Katie, and thank you everyone for your service this morning. Are you hearing me okay? Hello? You can. Go ahead. Yes, we hear you. Thank you. Yes. It's Ramona A., uh, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Vermont. And, boy, this said a lot to me, and everyone's shares said a lot to me this morning. And I'm sure I'm not going to add much, but I just had to share my experience. And when I first got into OA some 27 years ago or whatever, I really got a sponsor, worked the steps, and got abstinent, the whole the whole thing. And it was wonderful. And then I wandered. So when I came back in, I had never, never been to a meeting that used the big book. And this is wonderful because I've learned so, so much. So I knew, you know, what we say, we have to put the food down. But in the beginning, when I came back, I didn't want to put all the food down. I wanted the food to be down, and I wanted help somebody to help me do all these things. And then when I did finally put the food completely down, what a difference. But then it was pick up the program and pick it up in its entirety, and I didn't want to do all of that. I'm too busy. You know, things are really difficult. Um, but the program itself has made the difference, picking it up in its entirety. And there I continue to grow. There, There's so much room. The food is down, and I continue to grow in the program. And then, as someone else said, working with sponsees, I wanted to be, to give them space to say, well, you know, they'll, They'll get there. They really seem to want it. They're, they're working, but this happened and that happened, and I find that I have not, you know, not been totally sharing my experience and teaching my experience, which is that 100% food down, 100% program must be worked, and then I start resenting the time that I'm taking with these people and nothing's happening. So this is, it's always a growing and learning experience for me. And I so appreciate these meetings and the people who share on them and the people who 
speak the truth. So thank you for listening today. Thank you for everyone who's sharing, and I'll pass. Thank you, Ramona. And we will now have Sandy S. followed by Leah M. Sandy, please go ahead. Hi, this is Sandy S. from Cashville, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. And I just underline, like, what really stood out for me, starting with the first paragraph. You are a mighty sick man. Yes, I was. And if you are interested, there is a way out. Yes. It took me a while to get interested, but once I was interested, man, recovery, abstinence, felt so much better than the pain I was constantly in. Um, You know, if he wants to stop, you should be afforded a real chance. Uh, I feel that's the way I approach my sponsees now, and I am so grateful to, I am on my second sponsee. I'm very grateful to the first one and very grateful to the second one. Um, No reluctance to rid yourself of those who cannot or will not stop. Uh, Causing your organization considerable damage in its waste of time and uh, the suggestions will help plug up this sometimes serious leak. Stop this waste. Give your worthwhile man a chance. I really apply that to myself. You know, um, I really, when I look at myself, I really want to plug the leaks, the things that are keeping me from God, you know, and give all the worthwhile parts of me a chance, something I've never done. And this includes, you know, God showing me discernment in not only how I work my program, but how I interact with other people and uh, really seeing the difficult person as a sick person and asking to be of help. I've just experienced a real ascending recovery, just as I experienced a descending um, destruction, self-destruction before OA. I just feel I'm on a continuous upward path. And for me, it was never the pain. It was never the pain. The pain was endless. It was always the good feelings, the enjoyment, the connection that has really kept me motivated. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Sandy. And we'll now have Leah M. followed by Leslie W. Leah, please go ahead. Thank you very much. Do you want to stop drinking or not? There is a way out. You know, uh, there are two, you know, if you lined up everybody in two groups, you know, there are those that will recover and those that don't. And you know who makes that choice? We do. Each individual does. You know, I can choose not to be responsible and make myself more miserable by going to new levels of despair and depression, or I can seize the opportunity for a better life. Um, That doesn't mean that I am, you know, the creator of this transformation that has occurred in my life. However, I need to cooperate with God's grace. There's no evil force here. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? No one is special. There are no special credentials uh, here on a vision for you or in any 12-step meeting. You know, for me, the special credential, if we're talking about credentials, was desperation. The fact that I was dying 
that I was sick and tired of being sick and tired. But there's no limit on God's grace. You know, when I work with people, or, you know, in this case, when the employer uh, confronts, uh, you know, an employee, why, why do we defy and delay and deny and resist? That's addiction. It's the only disease known to man where the sufferer has no enthusiasm for recovery, right? <laughs> You're given an opportunity to arrest the illness. There is a way out. There are many of us who, who come on the line and, and just are jumping out of our seats to share the great news of recovery, to let you know that you can arrest the illness, that there's a whole new life ahead of you. And yet real compulsive overeaters, compulsive overeaters of my type, will often say, you know, um, I'm not really like that. You know, against all evidence, they will persist in saying, I'm, I, it's not that bad. That's why the big book talks about cunning, baffling, and powerful. You know, it is both comic and tragic at the same time. You know, perhaps you've had uh, other, uh, you know, desperate moments in your life. You know, if a person diagnosed with cancer, um, if a person's diagnosed with, you know, a crippling disease, they take every opportunity to get well. The difference is people who have cancer accept that they have cancer. <laughs> if, if, they, if they're crippled, they accept that they're crippled. We might act like a compulsive overeater, look like compulsive overeaters, have a history of compulsive overeating, and yet our mind says it's not really that bad. You know, that, that is um, where I got to the point in the face of collapse and despair, in the face of total failure, I had to just throw up my hands and say, I'm done. I'm done, and I'm ready to take action. Tell me what to do. And with that, I pass. Thanks so much. Thank you, Leah. And we will close with Leslie W. Leslie, we have about a minute and a half. Are you there? I'm here. Thanks, Katie, for your service. Sure. All right. So this is Leslie W. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Tennessee, and I'm happy to share this morning. And wanted to just comment on the line, um, there is a way out. If you take it, your past will be forgotten. What an amazing opportunity. Um, I mean, I, I can only imagine how many of us, you know, <laughs> wish that we would have heard that from um, a spouse or a child or someone that we have harmed, um, that your past will be forgotten. You know, I think that's the beautiful thing. Um, <clears throat> you know, Leah spoke of God's grace, and, and I I know that when I focus on this work and clean house, right, when I do, when I do what I need to do to get well, that God's grace is there to wipe away that past. Um, should I forget it? No. Um, Time, please. But I also shouldn't live in shame either. So thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Leslie. And thank you for everyone who's made this meeting wonderful this morning by sharing. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. The share ID for Thursday, October 25th, 2018 is 12099. 
We'll now close with a reading from the Big Book on page 164, followed by the Serenity Prayer. <clears throat> and will Allison L. please read A Vision for You? I will. Thank you for your service, Katie. This is Allison L., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Ohio. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then.